We mentioned last week on Friday the Midrash that describes Malchut Yavan, the kingdom of the Greeks, as a time of Hoshech, as a time of darkness. The Rambam, in a letter called Igeret Teman, a letter he sent to Yemen, Yemen Jews, the very famous letter. Over there he writes that Malchut Yavan, the Greeks at the time of uh, Hanukkah that we celebrate, they made decrees, Gezerot, on Am Yisrael. Decrees that their goal was to destroy not the Jew, but to destroy the religion in him. That was their goal. Some of the decrees, for example, they were dec they decreed against keeping Shabbat, something that we're not used to, that there would be a a government decree that a Jew is not allowed to keep Shabbat. But that's what it was. It was against the law to keep Shabbat. He didn't work on Shabbat and he didn't do what the Greeks do on Shabbat. You were held accountable. They made decrees take, take away from a Jewish Shabbat. It's not, not very much left. They made a decree against Berit Milah. No, Berit Milah. Most uh, obvious, basic, siman of a Jew. Out. They made a Gezerah, no more Rosh Chodesh. Now how to make Rosh Chodesh, you couldn't count according to the months that we count, which of course destroys our Hagim, destroys Pesach, it destroys Shavuot, it destroys Sukkot, it destroys Rosh Hashanah, without a calendar, so we're, we're lost. We have not only Shabbat, we have Zmanim that are needed, that are based, excuse me, on the calendar. And more, there are more Gezerot like that. Yeah, when you open up the Midrash, the Midrash, when it talks about the darkness of the Greek Empire, it doesn't mention any of those Gezerot. So the Midrash says, zo malchut yavan. Darkness is the Greek Empire. Shechichu which means they darkened the eyes of the Jewish people with their decrees. They made it dark for them. So the Midrash says, what, what decree are you referring to? And they said to us, Kitvu al keren hashor I want you to write, there was a decree that every Jew has to write on the horn 
of his ox. In those days, oxen were very much used and needed constantly. Same like you would drive a car. People had animals and oxen were one of the important items for plowing, for other things as well. So they made them write on the horn of the ox. She'en la'em helek Israel. That basically, in other words, in English, it would be translated, I don't believe in God. There was a gezera. That was one of the decrees. Imagine in today's environment, it would be something like writing, putting a sticker on your front windshield. You put a sticker, you know, today you have a registration. So right on top, you have a sticker that says, I don't believe in God. And if they would see your car without that sticker, they give you a ticket. Probably they did a lot more than give you a ticket. But that's the way it was. They made a decree. Everybody's got to put a sticker on their front front window. What's interesting is that out of all the decrees, they chose this one. Hilul Shabbat, the Midrash doesn't mention. Not because they disagree with it. Just they didn't mention that one. Seems like that wasn't Hoshech. Not every decree Hazal described as darkness. The ultimate decree of darkness is the one that you write on the horn of the ox, I don't believe in God. Which really needs explanation why what seems to us like the lightest one, I say it's light because the person who wrote it doesn't believe it. If they make me right now choose between two decrees, either we're going to tell the Jews in America, Hasbe Shalom, we're going to tell every Jew in America they can't keep Shabbat, or you tell them, listen, you gotta put you gotta put a sticker in front of your house. Okay, you put a sticker. End of the day, you don't believe the sticker. They they can't get to your heart. They can't get to your thoughts. So if they just put a sticker on your car, it's it would seem to us a much lighter uh, decree. But yet Hazal, in their wise and beautiful ways. From all the decrees of the Greeks, again, I only mentioned a few, that are very destructive. This is the one they saw as the example of darkness, of Hoshech. So the question is, why? What's so problematic about writing? Again, you don't believe it. Right? They didn't say you have to believe it. They obviously can't say that. They have no they have no power, no ability into your mind. Only Hashem can see your mind. 
So the only thing it tells you is you have to write it. So you write it. How many things in history have Jews done externally that they don't really believe in, but they have to do it for the people around them not to get excited? What's the big deal? This is today's question. Again, my question is based on the Midrash. That the Midrash is the one that says this is darkness. We one time learned a very important pasuk. I told you then that we should keep it in our pockets and we should never ever lose this pasuk. The pasuk says in Mishle, Shlomo Amelah says, Mikol Mishmar Netzor Libecha. Which means, the word Mishmar means things that we watch. Says Shlomo Amelah, Mikol Mishmar means more than anything that needs guarding. Mikol Mishmar Netzorli Becha. You gotta you gotta guard your mind. When you find yourself, says Shlomo Melech, watching things in your life and guarding them because they're important to you. He says, Don't forget, every time you watch yourself, you see yourself guarding something, it should remind you of something that needs the most guarding. What needs the most guarding is your mind. Not your children's mind. Not your friend's mind. Your mind. Make sure you guard your mind. Before we explain what that means, we must remind ourselves what types of things people guard, watch over. If I asked you, what category of items in your life do you watch over and guard them? You would say, valuables. Anything valuable, if it's money, you watch your money. You make sure you put it in the right currency. That's safe. You put it in a bank that's strong. You make sure it's FDIC insured. Just in case something goes wrong, make sure you watch it. Make sure you spread it around. You make sure you invest it in the right places. If you have cash, you make sure it's hidden somewhere safe. If you have valuables, a watch, a ring, a necklace, anything valuable, you don't throw it around. You don't walk around and throw it somewhere in your back pocket. You make sure that it's in a place that's safe. Anything in life that's valuable, people... Make sure they guard it. You put a lock in front of your house because what's inside is valuable, including yourself and your children and your furniture and your money. Anything in life that's valuable, you find people are looking to watch and guard it that it stays safe. That's one category. If we compare the human mind to any other possession, we would realize that there isn't anything more valuable in life than the human mind. What could be more valuable than a person's mind? The human mind is what gives them their ability 
to make decisions. It gives them the ability to live life with happiness. You can't live with happiness if your mind is not there. You can only accomplish because of your mind. So the human mind is the most precious asset. The human body in general is our most precious asset. But in the body itself, there are also levels. You know, our fingers are very important. One finger is important, two fingers. But you know what? We would lose those fingers to keep our mind. The human mind is the most important possession that a human has on the planet. If someone would go to a wealthy person and say, you have a choice, keep all your money, or we'll take your mind, for sure, he will keep his mind, no question. That means there isn't enough money in the world, no matter how much money a person can have, that is going to be equal to the mind and the value of the human mind. Good. So therefore, the human mind, if you see yourself watching something or guarding something that's valuable, remind yourself, the most valuable is your mind. There's another category of things that people watch over, and that is things that are fragile. Not necessarily they're very valuable, but they're very fragile. So you could have a very thin glass that isn't so expensive, but because it's so easily broken that you watch it, you put it in a box, you put it away, you don't throw it around. You could have a toy that's worth thousands of dollars being thrown around in the den, but this cup is taken care of and watched over. Why? Because it's easily broken, so you pay more attention to it. That's another item that people, another category of things that people watch over. Things that are fragile. You have to know, and this is something very important, that the first thing I mentioned, everyone knows. Everyone knows, everyone who has a mind knows there's nothing more valuable than the human mind. But the second one is not so popular. That the most fragile possession there is in life is the human mind. There's nothing more fragile than our mind. What makes our mind so fragile? It's something we learned some time back. We learned something very simple. That in the human mind, there's no such thing as forgetting. We mentioned that once. That you never forget. The human mind has been on. Human mind is a camera. It's a camera with sound. With color pictures. Video. Not photos. It's a video camera. With very high definition. Um, uh, uh, video. And sound. And not only that. It's also videoing the, the smell. It's videoing the movements, the subtleties. It's even videoing feeling. The human mind has been turned on in a normal, healthy human being from the time they were born. And the camera is on and it's recording. And all of the information, believe it or not, is in the human mind. You know, today is amazing. You see sometimes a little chip and has so much information on it, but the human mind is a chip that has years and years of footage. And today, if you want to send someone a video, an hour video, you need to 
spend a lot of time downloading that information. It's a lot of gigabytes. It's a lot of information to send over, to store. You can't imagine how many gigabytes are inside the human mind. That everything we've ever experienced in our lives are all there stored, recorded. And it continues to record. And there's no, uh, oh, I have to record and delete the old. It's not like that. The human mind never forgets. Your felt, your pain, your reactions, some other people's reactions. Huh? Right, right, right. Not just the video, exactly. Every, every, everything that you've experienced, it's all there. Now, people obviously, when they hear this, they'll argue and say, what do you mean? Of course, I forget all the time. I forget what I had yesterday. That's not, that, that there's two types of forgetting. There is forgetting where it's deleted. That never happens. And then there is something else. There is the ability to pull up the information that you have. That's what we call I forgot. Meaning if I, you know, you struggle sometimes to remember something. I know it. I know it. What is it? I know, I know the guy's name. And you can't get it. So it's there. You know, you know it. In fact, when someone reminds you, say, oh yeah, right, that one. So where was the information? It was there. But your ability to access it is, is what we call, I forgot. But when we say, I forgot, it doesn't really mean it's deleted. It just means I'm not able to get it. That's why I told you once, if a person sees somebody they haven't seen in a long time, they're able, they don't, they don't right away know who he is, but then all of a sudden, they're able to understand from the name or from the movement, and everything comes back to them. So therefore, forgetfulness is not deletion. Forgetfulness, what we call forgetting, is I can't access. Now, that is very important information, even though to most people who hear what I just said will say, who cares? Hey, who cares that the human mind never forgets? What does it matter? So big deal. So my mind has the storage of everything that I ever did, everything I ever saw, everything I ever experienced. So what? So the answer is like this. It does matter in a very big way. What matters is that in life we have opinions about almost every subject. In life, we have reactions to almost every situation that comes up. The way we deal with things. We have a way. Everybody here has a derer. Everyone has a way about them. Everyone has their tipping point of that guy crossed the line. By another person, they'll say, no, he didn't cross the line. That's crossing the line. Everyone's got their way of handling situations. Very often opposite of the other guy. Everyone's got their opinion about many, many subjects. And we have to ask ourselves as humans who all share the same brain, piece of meat, that's mostly water is our brain. It's a piece of meat. 
How is it that your brain and my brain can have opposite opinions of the same item? I could look at something and you say, wow. I say, that's horrible. And you'll say, gorgeous. I'll say, gorgeous. You'll say, horrible. What happened? And sometimes these opinions are not about, you know, do you like the color blue or yellow? It's very important life items. I think this item, I think abortion is awesome. I think abortion is terrible. That's a very strong matter there. And we have opposite, and each one in their brain believes a thousand percent and ready to fight for it. The same brain, the same piece of meat with water. It's unbelievable. How that happened. So the answer is, the answer is that the human people don't know this, unfortunately, but they need to know it. But it's very critical for themselves and for their families. You must know that what we think, the good and the bad, the right and the wrong, the way we react is all based on the pictures and experiences that we've been recording for the last 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. The reason why you have a certain opinion about something is because usually you, you're around it. You grew up in a certain home that discussed certain things, had opinions about certain things, got excited about certain things, sometimes got excited for the good and got excited for the bad. And automatically, you have that feeling about that subject. You saw people react a certain way to a certain situation. So it became your reaction by nature. I once gave you an example, but just to show you how far this goes. So if a father would come home at night after a hard day's work, and he's excited for dinner that he spoke to his wife four times about it during the day. Because he's very, very hungry. He's been away for a couple of days and finally he came in the morning on the red eye. He hasn't slept. He hasn't eaten a normal meal. And his wife asked him, what can I do for you? And she, he said, yes, please make me. I like uh, the rice and peas. I love those. My favorite. Make it fresh for me. Make it good. Just right. She said, of course. Okay, he's very, very excited to come home to his rice and peas. And he comes home, he's very, very, very looking forward, walks in, sits down on the table, comes the rice, comes the peas, and she burnt them to a crisp. Burnt. Put too much salt. The guy loses it. He says all kinds of words. You don't love me. All you care about is your, is your friend. Oh, if your mother asked you for rice and peas. Uh, 
It wouldn't be there. If your son asked you for rice and peas, he would never burn. I never saw you burn anything for your children. You, you understand where this is going. Now, okay, it's an interesting reaction when someone doesn't do, doesn't make you dinner, or doesn't, doesn't put in the right care or not careful. Now, you have a little kid on the floor playing Legos. He's four years old. He's somewhere in the vicinity of this whole uh, scene. Take one, right? And uh, he's doing his own thing. He's watching, he's listening. The question is, has this scene affected the four-year-old? Meaning, meaning, in 30 years, well, he'll be 34 years old, when he comes home and also wants rice and peas, and his wife also burnt the rice and peas, or did something similar to that effect. So you have to know that without any kind of thought, his knee-jerk reaction to the situation will be the same as what he witnessed. It doesn't mean he can't control it and stop it. But the inborn or the natural reaction to this situation, he pulls up the scene. Now, he doesn't remember when he's 34 what his father did. He lost that ability a long time ago. But his mind never forgot it. And not only is it stored in his mind, it's ready to come into usage whenever a similar situation happens. That's how the human mind works. Whenever a situation occurs, the human mind goes into the archives and finds a situation like it and brings it not to the mind of the person where he sees the scene, but rather brings it as an automatic reaction to whatever it is that is going on. So at 34 years old, what's his first reaction? To feel that his wife doesn't love him, to feel that she doesn't pay attention to him. That's going to be his automatic reaction. Again, can he stop it and be smarter? Absolutely. But that will be his normal emotional reaction to what happened. If you had an uncle that sat by the seder and made some cynical comments about something in this in the in the seder. So those thoughts will stay in your mind. Let's say, for example, when people were leaning, he made some sort of wisecrack joke. It could be every time you lean or somebody asks you about leaning, you'll have an opinion on it. Where did the opinion come from? From the uncle that maybe passed away 30 years ago. He's way forgotten. Certainly his comment is forgotten. But by you, it's still making you react the way you react. 
People get excited about certain things because that's what you witnessed. People feel bad about certain things because that's what you witnessed. It's an amazing thing. You see two people with the same exact situation. One takes it one way. One takes it another way. Where did that come from? It came from the storage of all of the information that was taken in and it becomes the person himself. Don't think that your opinions on many subjects is because really that's what you think. You think that because of what was placed inside of your mind. Maybe your parents had a hand in that. Maybe your friends had a hand in it. Maybe the television screen had a hand in it. Maybe the New York Times had a hand in it. Maybe people that work with you or work for you had a hand in it. So through your 30, 40, 50 years of life, you've seen a lot of different pictures and you've seen and experienced many things and that has made up your opinions on many things in life. For example, do you see the world as a happy place or as a negative place? Has very much to do with your mother. Has very much to do with your father. Has very much to do with the environment. If your parents weren't careful, and usually they're not because they got it from their own parents too, they can make very negative comments about life things and ruin their children's opinion about life. For example, when a mother says, oh, life's so hard. That she's having a hard day. She says, life is so difficult. Or somebody passes away. We call that a tragedy. Ah. It's a terrible world. You hear people say comments like that. Or people will complain about the weather. Raining outside. Ah, what a horrible day. You have to know those comments that you make around people, especially your children, it becomes their opinion. So when people look outside and it's raining and they feel down, rain doesn't make you feel down. But the people who made comments when you were young about the rain became your natural reaction to rain. Everything, every subject, whether it's weather, whether it's religion, whether it's just how to look at the humanity and at the world and how to react. When, when is someone crossing the line by you? When does, when does that happen? Everything in life that we have an opinion on and a reaction to is a product of what we experience for the last 30, 40, all the years of our lives. That's the way it works. That's why when a person learns, it does almost nothing to his real life. There are people that come and learn every day and hear every Shabbat Musar and hear beautiful ideas that they agree with. Not they don't agree with. Not the guy who walks out and says, 
I don't understand what he was saying. Agree with. And make almost no changes in their life. Why? Tell you why. Because when a person is ready to behave in his life, to do something or not to do something, they pull up pictures. They pull up life experiences. A book that you read is not a life experience. A book is letters, ink on a paper. That's not what you pull up when you're about to act in your life. When you're acting in your life, you're pulling up all scenes. A book is not a scene. A book is information. A book is just an intellectual piece of information. Now, if when you learn, now there's two ways to learn. One way to learn is you read the information or you listen to the information and it's stored as information. If you store what you learn in life as information, it has very little value in making a change in your behavior. But if when you learn, you stop and you imagine yourself in that situation, so now you've made an experience out of what you learned. That's why the Ramban says so beautifully in his letter. He says, whenever you learn something, when you get up from the book, he says, ask yourself, challenge yourself how you are going to put yourself in a situation and this is the way you're going to react. I just told you, you just learned something. But if you don't take that and make a scene out of it, so what I learned today, that means the next time I come home and this happens, I need to react this way. If you don't make a scene out of what you learn from a book, so then when it comes to the scene, the book will not come up. Books don't change your mind. Experiences do. That's why Hazal tell us, when you learn, you have to make a picture of what you learn. You have to make a scene of, okay, that means, so anger in this situation is no good. That means, let me see, how does it apply in my life? Oh, that means when my wife says this, so then I need to know how to react properly. If you don't make that crossover into your life, so that it stays as a book and it's not an experience, it won't really change your life. And that's why Hazal, that's why Shlomo Amalek says, Such powerful words. He says, those who walk with the wise person, they will become wise. Imagine that. If I asked you, how do you become wise? You would say, learn with the wise person. You learn with them. No. Learning with the wise man, if you learn books with him, doesn't make you wise. But walking with him, living life with him, being around the wise person, that's going to make you wise. For this, why? What's the logic? Logic is what I just told you. Because if you learn with him, all you're getting is ideas. 
thought, beautiful. He said this, you said that, you learned this, you learned that. But when it comes to real life, you're the same guy. Same person. You know how many people we can point at and say, well, yeah, I know that. And ourselves, in many ways, so much that we learn that we don't do. Why? Because we're learning with the wise person, but we're not living with the wise person. Says Shalomah Melech in this pasuk, Mikol Mishmar, make sure you watch what you allow into your mind. Because what you allow into your mind, we will become you. You can never say, me, I could be around anyone. I could see anything. I could hear anything. I'm above it. I have already my own opinion. I already have my own understanding of things. Me, I can't be affected by anything, by anyone, because I already know who I am. That's so foolish. Because if you know how you became, how did you become who you are? You say, I already know who I am. How did you become who you are? You got it through the experiences. So when you allow your eyes and your ears and your body to be around things that aren't good, know that it's only a matter of time when it will become your opinion. It's not that you're going to be following that person. It's not, oh, you're going to be influenced in the sense of, oh, because they do it, I'm going to do it. No, it's much deeper than that. It's much worse than that. We think we won't be affected. I can see anything. And when it comes to it, I have my way of thinking. And I'm never going to learn from that person. I'm never going to copy that person. But says Shlomo Amir, it's much deeper than that. It's not that you have to learn from them. It will become your opinion. It will become you. You will start feeling a certain way about them. Now, we've seen this in life many times. For the good end of it, we've seen people who are totally in a different world. And all of a sudden, they started to have a liking for things that before you would ask them, would you appreciate that? They would say, no, I thought that was the most irrelevant, horrible, not important. And all of a sudden... The same thing, they feel, wow, so important, so valuable, so beautiful, right? What happened? What happened is, says Shlomo Melech, when you're around the right people, sometimes even being around one person, two people, can make the biggest difference in your life. It changes. You, you look back and you say, why did I now change my understanding? And little do you realize, it's because of the people that you're around. So says Shalomu HaMelech, is there anything more important than your mind? The source of everything that you do in life? So be standing like a security guard by your mind. You need to secure your mind. Do not allow every person who talks to be entering your mind. Before you hear someone, may ask yourself, is this somewhere I want to be like? Is this someone I want to infiltrate my mind? Before I put my children in front of things to watch, I must ask myself, is this what I want them to become? Watching people do things is much more than entertainment or just seeing what they do. You are actually changing the way they think 
This is When you walk with the wise person, you become a wise person. You yourself start to feel the wisdom and appreciation for it. And if you walk with the fool, you don't have to learn with him. Just experience with him. You will become a fool. It's a story of our country. Everyone's got their phones on. Everyone's got their T-screens on. Watching all kinds of things that are either dangerous, not important, counterproductive to human happiness, and much more. And it becomes them. Why do I love a Gucci product? Why? Because my eyes have seen people making it important. So now to me, and I'll tell you, but I love it. No, no. Not because it's a Gucci. It's not to show other people. I love it. By the way, they're not lying. They do love it. But why do they love it? Why do they love it? They love it because they put themselves around people who are constantly pushing the item, pushing that car, pushing that brand name. You have a world today that if you have no brand name, you could hardly make a sale in business. It's an amazing thing. No longer are things measured by their quality or their longevity or their price. No matter. If you got a brand name, then it's good. Why is it good? Who told you it's good? What does it matter? Because a person has spent his time with people that have convinced him to be excited about a certain product. That's the world today. That's what we're living in. Says Shalom Melech. You need to be. You need to be a security guard. Free your mind. When you go outside and have security for the shul. Very nice. Very important. But nothing more needs more security than your mind. Before you start talking to people. Before you put yourself in a certain environment. Before you put on a, 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 a radio or, or a screen, a television. Before, before you allow things to come into your mind, stand as a security guard. And say, do I want this for, do I want to be this? Imagine for a child, a young child, Hazit, a little, a little kid. It's a pure kid. He has no thoughts. And they give him all these people on the screen who are only interested in his money today and in the future. And they begin infiltrating his mind. In the beginning, it's innocent. It's about a cereal. A cereal that jumps. A cereal that flies. A cereal that slides into your bowl. It's about a soft drink. About... Uh, 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 clothing uh, they're getting him slowly to sign up to their product who makes commercials the most brilliant people who know the weakness of every age by the time they get him when he's two he already has certain likes and dislikes without even making that decision they already made it for him and then as he buys into their system, 
it just becomes more and more. Then he buys into their lifestyle and he buys into everything that they're offering. That's most of America today. Most of America is a product of that brainwashing. Talk about brainwashing. That is called brainwashing, where you basically put your thoughts into their mind. The difference between the Torah brainwashing someone or the screen is that the screen wants your money and could care less about your life. As long as you're spending money, it could care less if you live or die, if you're happy or sad. Where the Torah, Hashem says, I also, I also want to brainwash you. But I want, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it for you. I want you to live a happy, long, successful life. I want you to be happy in your marriage. I want you to be happy in everything you do. That's why, says Shlomo Melech, I'll finish with this. He says, Pagosh Dov Shakul Be'ish Ve'al Kesil Be'ivalto Says Shlomo Melech, If you have a dove, you know what a dove is? Dove is a dip, a bear. Pagosh, Pagosh means you have a meeting with a dove. Dove is a bear, Shakul. Shakul is a bear who just lost all his children. Someone came and shot all his kids. All the cubs, they gone. And bears in general are very dangerous. I don't know if you know that. But a bear that just lost all his kids is a, is a very angry customer. Okay? So you're walking down the street, says Shlomo Melech, walking down Ocean Parkway, and you see a bear, a very angry bear coming your way. Pagosh dov shakul. And now, of course, you see the bear coming your way. You want to cross to the other side of the street. You don't want to walk on this side. As you're crossing to the other side of Ocean Parkway, you're about to climb the railing to go to the other side. And all of a sudden, you see over there your old friends. Your old friends that, your foolish friends that are still doing all the foolish things that you already moved on from. They're still doing. But they're going to go there. They're going to say, hey, you know we were last night? You know we were on vacation this weekend? Ah, you don't know the plane that we took. Oh my gosh, you don't know. You got it? They're going to give you all the rundown of their their awesome life. Right? So, okay. That's your choice. You either can walk down the right lane and you're going to have to meet an angry bear and see how you come out. Or across the street, You're going to have your buddies from 30 years ago telling you about their awesome lifestyle of what they're doing. Fantastic. Says Shlomo Melech, what halacha lemaaseh? He says, halacha, what should I do? Where should I go? The right lane or the left lane? Says Shlomo Melech, pagosh dov shakul. Better to have a meeting with the bear. The bereaved bear and not your friends in their foolishness. Understand? By the way, your friends, your friends, your friends don't necessarily have to be bad people. They can be very nice people. But they're still living a life of foolishness. Right? Because a person who lives a life of foolishness is a dangerous person. Even if they don't mean it, they mean well. They don't have any bad bone in their body. They're not trying to hurt you. But they're dangerous. Fact. 
reality. Says Shlomo Melech, they're more dangerous than the bereaved bet. Unbelievable. He wants you to go with the bet. Why? Why? Because the bear, A, 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 first, you know it's dangerous, right? B, it, maybe you'll get away from him. Maybe you'll figure out a maneuver. And, and C, even if he kills you, even if you're dead, at least you only lost this world. But you go across the street, the damage is certain. Damage is certain. And it's eternal damage. Which means you go after 120, they look at you, and you're a product of all those interactions that you have with your buddies, all those discussions, all the excitement they show to certain areas of life. It became you eternally. So the damage of the bear is much less than the damage of those people. Amazing. Pagosh dov shakul beish. Strong words. Less dangerous. Pagosh dov shakul beish. Ve'al kesil be'ivalto. Asuk al kesil and not a fool in his foolishness. What do you do with fools? It's a question. It's a different discussion. How do you act with a fool? Doesn't mean you have to take people of fools. And discard them in the garbage. But you have to know. While he's in his foolishness. You can't be with him. But if you can get him on your home turf. If you can get him to hear from you. And be in the right environment. That's something else. That's why. saw. What is the darkest of all decrees? What's the darkest of all the Greek decrees? This one. The one where they see, I don't believe God in God in front. Because it's so subtle, that's what makes it so dangerous. You tell a Jew, don't keep Shabbat. You know what you do? You tell a Jew who doesn't keep Shabbat, don't keep Shabbat, he gets angry. I'm keeping Shabbat. Now I'm a Jew, what do you mean don't keep Shabbat? Well, but you never kept Shabbat in 30 years. Now I'm keeping Shabbat. If they would make decrees in America not to keep Shabbat, you'd see more people keeping Shabbat. Because they'd be angry. Well, I'm Jewish. What does that mean? You make a decree, no bring me lot. We're going to go figure out every way possible how to make a bring me lot underground. We'll make tunnels underground to make bring me lot. When you attack a Jew with things that are important, they're going to fight back. But if you say, listen, right, don't, I don't believe in God in front of you, uh, on, your, on your front, which, no, no. Right, put, put your kids in front of the television for three hours a day. Okay, what's the big deal? Would you take your children and put them in front of a guy who teaches them not to keep Shabbat? Would you take your children and drop them off in a place where the guy preaching to them, he saying, yes, we love abortion. We think it's great to kill kids. We think it's beautiful not to keep Shabbat. We honoring your parents. Stupid. Your parents are so are so antique. You know, antique the old people. You're gonna honor your parents. You're smarter than your parents. What does your grandpa know? Would you drop off your kid in a place that's teaching him that? You say, of course not. And if they made you drop him off, 
You'd fight it. But if it's just on the screen, it's not like it's not real. Just put it in front of the thing. I don't believe in God. Come on. You don't believe it. I don't believe it. It's just, it's just a sticker. It's no big deal. It's just an advertisement. It means nothing. We know the truth. It's like the Coke advertisement. You know the Coca-Cola? I told you many times. Coca-Cola is brilliant. They got a guy. 30 second commercial. Change the world. Ready for this? First, Gabby, first 10 seconds. What do you see? Black and white picture. Old car that's broken down. Guy looks horrible. His clothing is old and he smells. Not a soul around him. Everyone is moving away. 10 seconds, they show you that. See what happens? And then with magic, he finds a can of Coke. And all of a sudden, the screen gets color. It comes out of the can like you never saw before. Sparkling, coming out. Yeah. And as the... It's unbelievable. The guy starts looking gorgeous. The car becomes a convertible. <laughs> the bubbles in the... In the uh, it's un Everybody wants to be around the guy. The music is flowing. Do you understand? Do you understand how insulting that advertisement is? Do, do you understand that it's insulting to any human being to show them such an advertisement? It's insulting to tell a guy that Coca-Cola will solve all your problems. It's insulting. And do they think we're stupid? Do they think that a person will look at that and say, oh, wow, you know, I got to get Coke. I need happiness in my life. Do you actually think they think a person will do that? They're wasting their money, billions of dollars for that 30 seconds. Why are they doing that for? Because they're smarter than me and you. They are the followers of the Greek empire. They understand if you subtly put in pictures in a, and feelings in the guy's mind, they don't have to agree with you. The next time they go to a store and they're going to buy a drink, they're going to buy that one because automatically the good feelings that you put in them over and over again are going to be the decision maker. For some reason, you become attracted to that can. I don't even know why. For some reason, I love that cereal. I don't even know why. And that's how they will make sure you follow their ways. So make sure, says Shlomo Melech, be a security guard to your mind. Because whatever you experience is going to be your opinion. You don't have to learn it. It will become you without realizing. That's why Hazal say, what's the darkness? Not Hilul Shabbat. Not desecration Shabbat. Not the Brit Milah. Not Rosh Hodesh. This one. This is the darkness. The darkness that enters you without even realizing. This is a, one of the great lessons of Hanukkah. To surround ourselves with happy, wise, great people as much as possible. When it's not possible, I'll give you an example. I know this. Rav Tversky, Alava Shalom. He had a great desire to help people with psychology. To help them, sick people. He, and he did. God bless him. I mean, he, he passed away. Uh, shalom. When he went to school, it was a big question. He has to learn 
to be able to practice and help many, many thousands of people that he did. But how would he do it? He had to go to college. You know, a lot of influence in college. To the famous letter that he wrote to the stipler, Allah Shalom. And the stipler told him he understands the great need of what he's trying to accomplish for the Jewish people to help them. But he told him it's very dangerous what he's doing. And he says, but since he needs to do it, he must take on certain precautions when he's in college to make sure that he doesn't become that kind of mindset. Because if you're in a college, and that's what everybody's doing, without you even realizing, that's what you become. So he gave him a few things to do while he's in that situation, which means when you're around situation, you have no choice. So here, you need, he told him, you have to set aside one or two hours a day of study of Torah. You must be studying Torah every day for a couple of hours. Another thing he told him, make sure you always pray with the minyan. That's number two. Torah every day, minyan every day. He says, he told me, make sure you go to the mikveh every day. That's for Hasidim. I don't know if it's just a Sephardi thing. But the idea is to cleanse yourself spiritually through a mikveh. Fourth thing is, he says, Shabbat has to be perfect. Shabbat has to be perfect in its observance, in your tefillot, no talking. You take your time and use it efficiently on Shabbat. Shabbat has to be like a mikveh of holiness. Once a week, your Shabbat has to be perfect. By the way, he's talking to us because we're around a lot of people all day long. We need this. We need to pray every day in shul. We need to learn every day a couple of hours. We need to have the Shabbat be very chazak. And he told him, you have to learn every day Musar. Besides learning Torah and Gemara, you have to learn Musar every day to set you, set you straight. Bottom line is, the greatest decree of the Greeks, Hazal see the greatest darkness, is when we were around the wrong picture and it made our mind a different mind. And that's what we have to take upon ourselves as we celebrate Hanukkah, how to guard our mind from things we don't want to become and rather put ourselves around happy people. You spend time with happy people, you become a happy person. You spell around, you spend time with appreciative people, you become appreciative. You spend around time with complainers, you become a complainer. Whatever you see, whatever you spend your time around, that's what you become. Have a beautiful day, guys.